Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Man, it's going to be a great day because we're going to be contributors to it. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to Saverin on Steelers podcast. This is Stan Saverin host of the Steelers post-game show with Charlie Batch on the Steelers radio network, as well as hosting a daily show on ESPN in Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining us. Glad you're able to take the time to check out our podcast. We just started a week ago. Glad to be with you throughout this entire Steeler season. Week number two of the exhibition season for Pittsburgh going down to Jacksonville Saturday night. And there are a couple of issues Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, and I think it may turn out to be definitive in the Steelers plotting for their final roster and potentially what the regular season is going to look at. Honestly, there's competition at a number of positions, not so much the starting positions. There really is one up for grabs at this time. That would seem to be inside linebacker between Devin Bush and Robert Spillane. Mike Tomlin noted that for this game against Jacksonville, Kendrick Green is going to be the starting left guard. That was going to be a position of interest. Kevin Dotson, uh, returning from injury last year, most of last year, was going to be competing for that slot. But the fact of the matter is, is that Dotson has missed significant time with an ankle injury, although he should be able to play. Uh, But Kendrick Green has been running first team all the way along. So that position has been pretty well decided, obviously, barring injury issues, of course. Uh, So the only starting position, again, introducing the caveat of a potential injury, is an inside linebacker. Neither Robert Spillane nor Devin Bush distinguished himself in the game against Seattle last week. This may be an opportunity for one or the other to move ahead Although I would imagine, given what the Steelers have invested in Devin Bush, they would prefer that he become the starter. Robert Spillane can be a very good backup inside linebacker, without question. But is he starter capable? Both of them have liabilities. Spillane much better against the run. Not as good in pass coverage. We saw a good deal of that last week in the Seattle game. Devin Bush has had trouble in both areas. But when you consider his pedigree, what the Steelers had to give up to get him, what they have invested in him as a number one pick versus 
signing a free agent like Spillane, who's been a very good surprise, been good on special teams, but clearly Devin Bush has the much higher upside. They would prefer he be the starter and Spillane be the backup, but Bush has to earn that. And since we're talking about that, It was thought last year, after a poor season, substandard, let's use that term, that maybe Devin Bush had not yet fully recovered from the ACL surgery that he had two years ago. The thought was that that may have been a primary reason why he didn't perform well and, frankly, had to be benched and taken out during situations and really lost his position to Spillane, who was then playing alongside Joe Schobert. Well, another offseason has come and gone. So the knee issue, the health portion of whatever problems Devin Bush seems to have, would appear to be gone. And yet, at least during training camp, he has not displayed any of the quickness and explosiveness that Devin Bush has, or should I say had, that's what they're trying to find out, and what led them to draft him so highly in the first place. Devin Bush is part of a new era of inside linebackers. The way the game has changed in the NFL to a passing game, a faster game, a quicker game, the days of the hulking inside linebackers is gone. Chances are you're not going to see a guy the size of, let's keep it in the Steeler family, LeVon Kirkland, although LeVon could certainly move, but he weighed well over 275 pounds. Now, he could get back in coverage, but he was rather unique in that regard. A lot of inside linebackers these days are there because they are quick. Because teams are using backs in pass patterns, certainly quicker tight ends. Not the big Mike Ditka tight ends anymore, but rather the kind of guys who can get open and get open deeper down the field, down the seams. Your inside linebacker, at least one of them, has to be able to cover guys like that. And that's the definition of a guy like Devin Bush. But on running plays, if Devin Bush has to take on a guard who these days are all 310, 320, if they have to take, engage them at the line of scrimmage, it's a matchup that a guy Bush's size, 5'11 and a half, two and a quarter, maybe, they're going to lose that battle almost all the time. The only way that a guy like Bush is going to win that battle with a center or a guard, even a lead running back, a fullback, if you have one of those, he has to beat the blocker to the hole. He has to be able, with his quickness and his speed, get to the point of attack before the blocker can engage him physically. Because if the blocker gets there and engages physically, Bush is going to have to probably lose that battle just based on size. He's got to be quicker to the hole 
and the point of attack and get to the ball carrier. At the very least, if he's not able to do that, an inside linebacker has got to be able to destroy the blocking convoy. You'll see that with cornerbacks a lot. Let's say there's a sweep coming to their side. If they can't get to make the tackle, then what they want to do is knock the tight end, the tackle, or the pulling guard or the lead running back and knock them down. Destroy the convoy of blockers so that another inside linebacker or the defensive end or the linebacker on that side or the corner can come up and make the tackle in run support. Bush has done neither of those things, not since his rookie year. Now, there were a lot of people who raved about Bush's rookie year. I thought he was okay. Borderline good, but I didn't offer rave reviews on his rookie season. I received some blowback about that. That's fair. If you don't agree with my opinion, you're allowed not to agree. That's good. Good conversation, good debate. I just thought that he was fine, but maybe not worthy of the number 10 pick in the draft and to pick where he had to trade up 10 spots to get him. That came at a significant price. So that battle looks like the last one for a starting position. A lot will be determined in the next two preseason games. I don't think they'll cut Devin Bush, but they've already declined his fifth-year option. And from his perspective, if he expects to cash in as an unrestricted free agent, which he will be at the end of this year, then he's got to have a good year, certainly better. than last year. Otherwise, you're just going to be a guy out there. Mike Tomlin was asked this week, is Devin Bush a three-down linebacker, or is that to be determined? Mike Tomlin answered, quote, to be determined. He's got a lot to prove. Something to keep your eye on as you watch the next two preseason games. The biggest item for the preseason game, of course, quarterbacks, they're always in the spotlight. It's the nature of the position. But I think that the game against Jacksonville may just be a defining moment in the Steelers' overall strategy with their quarterbacks. They're never, in my view, there never was any doubt that Mitch Trubisky was going to be the number one quarterback the day they signed Mitch Trubisky, well before they ever drafted Kenny Pickett. They drafted Trubisky, or signed him, excuse me, as a free agent because he was the best available quarterback on the free agent market. And when you look at what other quarterbacks signing, where they signed, for how much, Trubisky, in my view, was the best of the bunch, and based on what he's done in training camp and what he did against Jacksonville, hasn't changed my opinion a bit. The real issue with quarterbacks this training camp and preseason is, and still is, and has been, do the Steelers believe that Kenny Pickett 
has advanced enough as a rookie to be counted upon to be Trubisky's backup in the regular season. That's what this is all about. Can Kenny Pickett show the Steelers staff that he has learned enough about being a pro quarterback? This isn't Pitt anymore. It's not the ACC anymore. This is the NFL. You don't get to play Georgia Tech in the NFL. If he proves definitively that he can be counted upon to be a backup to Trubisky in the regular season, whether it's an injury situation or Trubisky's not playing well, then I think that will determine, if not dictate, what they end up doing with Mason Rudolph. And because it's already been decided that although Trubisky will start against Jacksonville, unlike last week, Kenny Pickett will be the second quarterback in, and he will play with higher-level players. Last week he came in, played with a lot of the third-teamers. But this week he figures to play with first- and second-team guys, not just on the offensive line, but also in terms of the level of wide receivers he will throw to. If he performs well, as Mike Tomlin would say, against higher varsity competition, that may not be the final stroke. And they may want to see more in the the preseason finale against Detroit, but it will go a long way into determining the progression of Kenny Pickett as far as being the number two. That doesn't mean that they have to trade Mason Rudolph. The safer play would be to keep all three. But if you do that, and you designate Mason Rudolph as the two, you run the risk of limiting the repetitions that Pickett would get throughout the regular season. Doesn't mean it has to be that way. But generally, the way the NFL works, after the starter gets most of the reps, looking at the opponent's defense, then the second-team quarterback comes in. He gets it because he'll be the next guy in. The third-string quarterback is generally left to run the scout team, running the opponent's offensive plays for the Steelers' first-team defense. That doesn't have to be that way. There's no law that says you can't give the third-team guy some second-team reps. But the Steelers have to balance that out and don't want to risk retarding the progress of a rookie quarterback who eventually will be the number one. So it may not be the final determinant, but how Kenny Pickett does Saturday against Jacksonville may shape the Steelers' opinion. The win over Seattle was an exciting game. All the quarterbacks did well. A lot of great things to like. And as the Steelers resumed their practice, based on what Mike Tomlin saw in preseason play, did that alter his plan of practice for the squad in Latrobe this past week? We called upon Mark Cabali 
He writes to The Athletic. He's covered the Steelers for many a year to offer his thoughts on the first week of training camp after the first exhibition game. Uh, We'll get to the game specifically, but did anything happen in practice yesterday you thought that was a direct result of what we saw Saturday night? No, I I really don't think so. I think, you know, I even mentioned it after the game. I said I'm pretty sure that Pickett's going to jump up to two regardless of what he does in this game because, like I said, I mean, they've been telling us about this plan without telling us about this plan in detail for months now, and the plan is always going to be, you know, have Mitch as the number one. He's going to be the starter and see if Kenny Pickett can slowly make his way up. After a couple weeks of chain training camp, move him up to number two, probably play him a lot more, or at least earlier with the the twos, maybe even a, a little spillover with the ones in Jacksonville and see how it goes from there, I mean, the last thing you want to do with Kenny Pickett was throw everything on him. I know he's a veteran, he's played seven years with Pitt or whatever, and the most ready quarterback in the draft, but you still need to bring him along slowly. And I think this is the right way they are doing it. So I don't think the, you know, a 10 yard out with poor coverage against a fourth string cornerback that turned into the game winning drive was really going to have anything to do with what is occurring here uh, this week, and that's Kenny at number two. Do you think that as they look at Pickett, since we're uh, off on the quarterback topic, um, they wanted to see how he would react, um, uh, you know, in in a game-like situation? Um, I think it's also reasonable uh, not to detract from his performance, but you mentioned, you know, the quick out to Tyler Vaughn. A lot of his throws were exactly that. Uh, You know, there were check downs, there were shorter passes, um, uh, you know, I, I, he really didn't throw the ball downfield um, that much. Um, are, are they no. just as happy that he read and saw checkdowns if something else wasn't available? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those were were scheduled plays. You know, get out of the pocket. You have the one read. You saw a couple times when he was uh, pressured. He got off that first read quick and took off, and he has that ability to gain yards, throw passes on the run as well so you always want to get a guy acclimated with easy throws these were a lot these weren't difficult throws by by Pickett I mean let's face it here if Roethlisberger would have had that howling last year you'd be ripping on him not you but <laughs> the masses would be ripping on him for dinking and dunking and he that was the epitome of dinking and dunking but you got to give the guy credit because even though he made a bonehead play, maybe took a sack at midfield. When they got that ball back, at least he didn't fold. At least he, you know, was able to finish it off right there. And one thing is in that one third down play, I believe, with or, or this, I don't know if you even talked about it, Stan, the uh, two-point conversion, I believe, earlier, um, he wanted Connor Hayward on the field. And he had enough um, fortitude they go tell the coaches, no, I want Connor Hayward on the field for this play. And they put him out there and they converted. And that's a guy that's showing that, you know, he's pretty mature and he's pretty confident in what he's doing right now. So there was good and there was bad. But, hey, it's first first game. I mean, I guess you couldn't script it any better. But now let's see where he goes from here. That's always the big key. Yeah, I'm, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, how early he gets in the game Saturday night. And that's a, I did not know that he yeah. said, I want Connor Haywood. Yeah. yeah. 
That Con- says a lot. Connor Hayward said, Connor Hayward said, bro, uh, I don't make that decision. You better go tell the coach that. <laughs> and then he went and told him, I want him in there. And I'm like, go. That was pretty, it's pretty impressive. Very. I didn't know. As, you broke a story. That's great. Um, <laughs> what did you think overall the running game? I mean, I played the McFarland clip. Warren, despite his fumble, was very impressive. Um, uh, uh, is that a byproduct of the uh, the offensive line play? Yeah, a little bit. That offensive line play, where the, I think those interior three really can block pretty well, or it did block pretty well. I think it's a product of Jalen Warren and McFarland actually being you know pretty decent, make some good runs, and it's a product of some downfield receiver blocks from. George Pickens, too. I mean, of one, I know. I mean, that's how you turn four yards gains into 24-yard gains. You get some downfield blocking by the wide receivers, and that's what happened there. But we all have to, you know, hold the brakes a little bit here. This was a really, really bad Seattle defense without six of their starters as well. So uh, I don't know if it's going to totally translate that in Cincinnati September 11th. But at least it showed that there's some talent behind Najee that they might not have to go out and get somebody here September 1, September 2nd that looks like anywhere between. I mean, Benny Snell was having a decent camp, too, before he hurt his knee between he, McFarlane, and Warren. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Master Teague fan, but he did run hard the other day. It looks mm-hmm. like they can at least choose somebody from that group stand that can take those three, four, five, six snaps. Or as Eddie Faulkner wants, seven snaps less for nausea a game so i mean unless he gets on his field pretty soon if he's going to go through the whole camp with an injured knee i don't see how he does i mean you have to always take into consideration the special teams and the danny smith uh, effect here he's they will play all the special teams well and if Jalen warren can't do that then you know what's the use of uh, dressing Jalen warren who can't produce on special teams. That's why you see a McFarland kick returning. At least he can produce there. But if Snell doesn't get on the field here soon and has some preseason success, definitely in jeopardy. I mean, he's a guy that's on the final year of his deal. It hasn't proved a ton, has talent, hasn't had much of an opportunity. When he did, he's been okay in long spurts, not in short spurts. I mean, if you put him in there for three carries, you're going to get zero yards. You put him in there for 12 carries, you're going to probably have 80 yards. So I think the verdict's still out on him, but like I said, he needs to get back on the field because you know you know he can't make the tub in the club. Oh, wait, can't make the club tub in the, the tub. tub. Right, <laughs> that, listen, that that was posted uh, uh, on my high school uh, locker room wall, so that goes back a long way. Can't I mean, make the club I think in it the needs tub. Updated. Yeah, probably it needs so. Updated. Yeah, probably yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, come up with something that you know with a hashtag or uh, you know something like that. <laughs> Um, th- you know, you've been at camp um, every day, um, but for the general public, it was our first look, and I'll put this in air quotes, the Matt Canada mm-hmm. offense. Um, I did see uh, more, not necessarily more motion, uh, but certainly more rollout, half roll, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. setting up behind the tackle. Um, is is this what we can expect, uh, even, I know it's vanilla, but is this what we can expect uh, from, quote, the Matt Cannon offense. Yeah, he wants to get he he wants to get quarterbacks who can, you know, move that pocket like you said the half sprint outs, half rollouts, easy throws, 
And that's what we did see the majority of that game. Now, I talked to him yesterday, and he said we didn't run one play that we did not run last year, but that doesn't mean formation-wise and motion-wise and, and for, you know, for lack of be- better terms, it's the stickability. When I say stickability, I sound like Wolf now. <laughs> Being able to stick to the plan, you know, stick to the the, the, the motions uh, and the jet sweeps and stuff like that. He, I think you'll have a better chance of staying to that. And you see uh, that jet sweep, and that, I think that was maybe was one of the most impressive plays by Kenny Pickett that really – Probably nobody even remembers the end around the Steven Sims. I think went thirty yards. Thirty eight. That thing was timed absolutely, absolutely perfect to be able to break that, and that's not easy to do when a guy's running full speed and you take the snap handoff like that. I think that was an underrated part of Pickett's game the other day, where if you know he's a half a second early, then you get the linebackers being able to track him down. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, plus you see that you got a couple quarterbacks that can make plays when they it breaks down, and something tells me, Stan, the protection is going to break down a lot this year. Yeah, that was uh, an issue, um, not only with the offensive line, but there were a couple of pickups by running backs, you know, that were not made, and that's you know part of their job as well. McFarland, yeah, McFarland, and, and, and McFarland um, on the Mason one, he just went out for the, he got to check that outside linebacker before he gets in the coverage, and he didn't. Yeah, and, and and um, uh, I, I don't think make the club, but uh, the kid from Duke, Mateo Durant, uh, yeah. whiffed. Although he made up for it, he had a nice block in the open field on the scramble by Kenny Pickett. Uh, so at least he was aware. Um, it looks like they've got a really good wide receiver core. Um, no sense talking about Pickens. I mean, he certainly looks like the real deal. But I'm wondering. Um, it seemed like Mark. Anthony Miller had a real chance to make this team with his season-ending injury. Um, is, is, is Sims the, the number five or the number six? Will they keep six? I don't know they'll keep six. I mean, Boykin's still in there. I think we can pretty much rubber stamp Gunnar Olszewski is uh, a guy that's going to make the team. But Calvin Austin has a foot problem right now as well. You would think the top three with Austin, Gunner. And I don't know. I don't know if they want to keep Miles Boykin or not. That's $3 million bucks they can save on a guy that's not going to sign, re-sign here next year, and it might not be a guy that they uh, even dress this year. However, Miles Boykin is one of the best gunners in the league, so he could be around. So they could keep a guy like him. Steven Sims, I still, still think, is a long shot to make this team. I, I think there's a half a dozen, not half a dozen, like three quarters of the league have has a Steven Sims on their roster that uh, they're hoping that they can slide through waivers and everybody wants their own guy. So I would think he could get back on to the practice squad. But I, I was kind of impressed. I don't know about you, Stan, Gunnar Olszewski. I mean, yeah. this is a guy, nine career catches in New England. He rarely played at all. And New England had – uh, you know, me and you out there as wide receivers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's strange that Belichick didn't have that guy playing because not only in the game he made plays, he's been making a ton of plays. I thought he was just a return specialist. Well, he's not a return specialist. He's a crazy man that they have to, like, reel back in because they think he's going to kill himself because he goes a 1,000 miles an hour. I like those kind of players. Yeah, he um, – uh... 
Uh, he, I don't know if he'll be as accomplished, but, you know, you're right. All those years in New England, they only had one yeah. really, quote, great wide receiver, Randy Moss. The rest of them, you know, the, you know, the slot guys, but, man, Edelman and those guys and Olszewski. I couldn't even tell you one. I couldn't even tell you one that was on the team last year. Yeah. You? I don't think I can. Nikhil Harry, he was terrible. And Gunner can't even get on the field. And it's just strange to me. Yeah. I mean, he, he could, of course, we haven't seen him return uh, return any kicks yet. Uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you um, about a position that's contested. It looks like, assuming everybody's healthy, that the, the lineup is pretty well set, uh, except for inside linebacker alongside Miles Jack. Yeah. Um, I, I, I gather that. Uh, no one has taken a step forward there. I'm wondering in practice yesterday, did both get equal opportunity with the ones? Yeah, that's a, that's become an issue. Uh, they, I mean, every one of them. Well, when I say every one, I mean Spillane and and Bush have their flaws, so they might be actually looking to a different way of uh, approaching this. And uh, have both of those guys in very limited capacity out on the field here. Play a lot of the sub packages, use the dime linebacker. Then apparently you're susceptible to the run. You can't do that against teams like maybe Baltimore and Indianapolis and teams like that. So I can, it looks like to me, obviously they're keeping all three. But after that is, I think uh, it's, it's just up in the air, to be honest with you. It's up in the air. Bush has not stood out. He talked today, and you know my five year, my five year old son made more sense and <laughs> put more words together than him. So we can't glean anything off of that. So uh, yeah, it's an issue, and I think you're not going to go out and get one, but you're going to have to find something here because Bush is not just doing it right now. We all saw the play that he just didn't seem interested in making, and Spillane is, you know, once again coming back to me and you. I think we can cover better than him down the field at least well speaking of coverage and uh, in the same position uh mark robinson of course we talk about the touchdown pass to tyler vaughn's won the game but the biggest play of the game was the strip sack by mark uh mark robinson uh everybody knows he was a running back only played one year linebacker um he got chewed up in pass coverage um i mentioned in the first segment he reminds me of vince williams who was a great run stopper, an excellent blitzer, um, but not so hot in pass coverage. Is that what Mark Robinson is? Uh, is I, I thought pre- I thought Buddy Johnson. Project. Yeah, I thought Buddy Johnson was very poor. Uh, I thought that guy, that yeah. his son Rondell, whatever his name is, he was even worse. Uh, I thought he was horrible. Uh, but I mean, is, is Robinson a guy they want to stash? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to understand. This is a guy that has very limited snaps at inside my linebacker's career. He was our he was a uh I think he only played his last year at A and M at linebacker. Yes. He was a running back before that. And you could see the speed and agility and the power and the wherewithal of knowing where to find the holes to be able to stop people, but he's just learning. He's just a guy that you like because he's an athlete. You throw him out there and you hope in two and three years you can make him in to a starter. I can't uh, they're definitely going to keep him in some capacity because he's such athletic and such a freak in that nature, but they got to teach him the position. So I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't be expecting much out of him right now. And Buddy Johnson's another guy who had a huge opportunity to step forward here this camp, 
And, you know, if you can guarantee me he's going to – the opposing team's going to run the ball 90 times a game, I want Buddy Johnson in there. But, once again, you got the pass coverage issue. I think it's going to be, regardless of those inside linebackers, there's going to be a lot of mix and match. You're going to see a lot of nickel. You're going to see a lot of dime just to be able to hide Spillane and Bush at this point. Hmm. Not the way you would like to approach well, Miles things. Jack, Miles Jack is pretty good. Yes, he you know, is. Miles Jack. I mean, I don't have any concern with him, so at least that's one guy you can count on. And that was Mark Cavalli, a respected pro football writer covering the Steelers for The Athletic, and always enjoyable to hear his thoughts on the Steelers and the NFL. That's going to do it for this week's Saverin on Steelers podcast. We'll be back with you with many more. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again very soon. This is Stan Saverin for the Savernon Steelers podcast. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.